Hello and welcome to the Wildcard Rewind podcast. The divisional round is nearly in the books. This week we are reviewing the top storylines of the team in each of the games that's happened so far. Let's get into it. I just want to rewind to when we were young Back to all those good times. Take me back to the start. <laughs> So, welcome in. Uh, We have nearly all of the divisional round behind us, uh, just a couple of games left, uh, with obviously Bill's Steelers uh, being delayed until today, uh, which is super exciting. Uh, I'm your host, Tony Lewis. Um, Just before we get started, I just want to have a little plug. Uh, I've started up my own new website uh, with Dynasty uh, Analysis. It's called Dynasty Pancake. It's available at dynastypancake.co.uk. There's some really fun things on there, including a new series called Old and Stinky, about uh, all of the veteran players that you don't really know what to do with in Dynasty. Um, but that's my plug out of the way. Uh, we have no Paul today. Uh, it's uh, uh, a lovelier guest, uh, a lovelier uh, co-host in Hannah. Hannah, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Lewis. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that I've read uh, all of your articles so far and I think they've been awesome. So I would recommend for anybody to head across there. Um Definitely, I think so far you've done Cooper Cup and Austin Eckler, haven't you, in your old and stinky series. And they're definitely two players that I have been struggling to decide what I should be doing with them. So you've been helping me out greatly. I think we're going to be having a bit of a chat about one of those players a bit later on. But um, yeah, definitely head over there. I really enjoyed the weekend of games. I don't know what you thought, Lewis, but I know they weren't all of them that close, but there were certainly some shots. Um, and I just love kind of the unpredictability of the playoffs and it was I just enjoyed them all and now I'm a neutral you see I'm yeah. used to the Bengals being in the playoffs they're not there this year <laughs> I feel way more relaxed than usual so I'm quite enjoying it well I can join you being a neutral now I, I don't know how much I can say I enjoyed the full round of games um, and I think this morning I, although I was very tired, I was slightly more able to kind of recognize the achievement of the Lions and and reflect on, you know, the the games that we've had so far. Um, and, you know, three of the, I would say aside from Dolphins Chiefs, which to be fair was the only game that I didn't watch, you know, you had two really close games and then in uh, Packers Cowboys, you had an unbelievable upset, uh, which was incredibly exciting to watch. Um, but I think we we obviously are going to go matchup by matchup. Um, and what I wanted to do is talk about the biggest narrative um, from each team uh, looking into next season. So that includes the teams that are still in uh, and the teams that have been knocked out. Um, so we will save our thoughts on each game as we go through. Um, but the big thing that I wanted to start off with today um, is uh, head coaching vacancies. So we're in a really interesting stage. Um, We have uh, a bunch of head coaching vacancies available. Um, The Patriots obviously has already been filled uh, with Jared uh, Jared Mayo, uh, which I think was really interesting. Uh, And and I'm surprised that they managed to hide the succession plan. I found that very interesting that there was clearly this kind of clause in the contract and everyone in the building knew what was coming. Um, They'd had that in mind with Mayo to take over from Belichick whenever he left, but no one from the outside knew about it. In fact, I think we all thought it was a shoe-in that Vrabel was going to take over. Um, But the the other vacancies available are, are now the Commanders, the Chargers, the Panthers, Falcons, Raiders, 
Seahawks and Titans. That is a huge amount of vacancies. Um, that is just under uh, a quarter of the league, which is pretty huge. Um, we also could have a, a, a couple more about to join. I wouldn't even be surprised if we have another one join while we're recording, uh, based off the back of last night's results. Um, but the question I wanted to ask you, looking at the situations in all of these franchises, uh, when it comes to who's on the roster already, the cap situation, where they're picking, um, which vacancy do you think is, is let's start with, with the most appealing um, of the jobs that are open currently? So I'm going to be a bit naughty, Lewis, because again, we're probably going to be talking about this a bit, a little bit later. But, you know, look, I think, well, I don't know what you think, but I suspect you think like I do that um, there's going to be a new coaching vacancy coming out and we're pretty sure it's going to be the Cowboys. So for me personally, I think if I had the option, I think that's a pretty desirable mm -hmm. um, one, you know, to, to take. Um, ultimately, you've got you've got pretty much all the pieces there, you know, you just got to get over the line. And I do think that a different kind of coaching uh, strategy might just do that. So I think, yeah. I reckon I would be pretty, pretty pleased to go with that. But look, being serious, um, you know, I think I'm probably mentioning the one that you think, uh, Lewis, but I do, I do think that the commanders does look appealing um but i know that this that's your one so i'm going to leave you to chat about that one i do think kind of my second option probably would be the falcons you know um yeah. no they haven't got a qb but i do think they're going to have options this year even though they are they, are they picking 10th or else i think it's slightly later i think it's close it's kind of 14 or 15. is it um so I think they may well not get a quarterback you know one of those top elite ones but I do think there's quite a few interesting um options on the potentially on the trade or free agency market look I think Justin Fields might go quite nicely in there um you know you could try and lure um a Kirk Cousins of someone like that they are eighth so i mean they're reasonably high they could maybe get one of those kind of second tier down quarterbacks but i think if i was them i'd probably be looking to try and get like a fields to be honest um yeah. and i think you know there's pieces there i do think the defense is stepping up and getting better um so i think for me that would be this the second kind of option but i can I, I think I could probably convince myself that the Commanders is the most appealing, yeah, um, along with you, Lewis. That's what I went for. And and this is a really interesting one because you're kind of, when you're trying to look about what's a more appealing job, you're looking at lots of different things in terms of, is it about the pieces which are already in place or is it about what you can do with the roster going forwards and I think for a lot of head coaches you look and you want to be able to shape a team in your own image um, so obviously it kind of goes without saying that the best quarterbacks team on this list uh, is the Los Angeles Chargers um, so that's a really tempting one about do you just go and work with Justin uh, with Justin Herbert. But that's an incredibly exciting opportunity. The problem is the Chargers currently are of the the current 
seven vacancies. They have the least cap space um, with, uh, they're currently projected to be 35 million over the cap next year. Um, they have, you know, an aging roster. They're lacking on picks because of some of the trades they've made for people like Khalil Mack. Um, and like, aside from Justin Herbert, and obviously I suppose like someone like Derwin James, but like, who do you have on that roster to, to build around? Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are great, but they're 32 and 30. Uh, um, Killing Mack and Joey Bosa are great. Kill Mack's 34. Joey Bosa's not getting any younger either. Like, And you have no cap flexibility. You've got the number five overall pick, but you've got no cap flex, uh, flexibility to, to make changes with that roster. So the reason why I ended up going for the commanders, and I think this is a slightly strange one, you have a new owner, so you have someone that wants to invest in a team and wants to go out and make big splashes. Um, you have a franchise that hasn't won. I mean, hasn't won is is the answer, but hasn't been good in a, in a very long time. So you'll have, you know, and they've been through it a lot recently um, with, with Dan Schneider uh, and everything that's come along with him, but also with all the controversy around the name change and playing as the football team for a year. I think it's been quite difficult for them um, and having to see their division rivals do quite well. Um, they have the most cap space um, of not just of any team with a head coaching vacancy, but of any team. So they have 78.1 million projected for next year. Um, they have the second overall pick. So you are guaranteed, let's say one of Caleb Williams and Drake May. We presume it's going to be Drake May, but you're guaranteed one of the rookie quarterbacks who are both incredibly exciting. Um, they have more draft capital as well because they've got two seconds uh, and two thirds um, from the trades of Chase Young um, and Montez Sweat. So yeah, the defense is missing a lot of pieces, but then on the offense, you've got two, I'm going to say young, Terry McLaurin actually is sneaky old, um, but Jahan Dotson's young. You've got two quite exciting wide receivers. Logan Thomas isn't bad. Brian Robinson's a decent running back. But you've got a roster that like you can really shape in your own image, um, as well as the second overall pick. So I think the commanders for me is is, a, and I I didn't think this would be the case until I looked into it. I think the commanders is the most exciting one, um, and I think we've gone for the same in terms of the least appealing. Um, who do you have? What 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 vacancies do you think is potentially the worst to take over? I, to me, I personally think this is obvious, Lewis. Like, it has to be the Panthers, right? I mean, it's the owner. It's David Tepper, isn't it? It yeah. sounds to me like he just wants control of everything. He's not giving anyone a chance to actually do their jobs. He's giving nobody time to do anything either. So I think ultimately he's going to be an absolute nightmare. And as I say, it's not necessarily about the roster because you've got last last year's number one overall pick you know yes he didn't show a lot this season but there wasn't a lot to work with either you know his wide receiver call was nothing you know he didn't really have very good running backs to help him out so you know I, I don't th necessarily think that he's a total write-off but you know I think there's pieces there you could work with I just think Tepper is just going to be too much of a nightmare if I'm honest. And I I just think any coaches that have options will not choose to go there 
and I think they'll go elsewhere, which ultimately I think it doesn't mean that these coaches aren't going to be good, but I think ultimately it's going to mean that a coach who didn't have another option is going to end up going there and potentially having a hard time. And I think my concern for Bryce Young is that his confidence has been knocked. And my question is, will he ever gain that back? And I I think they may have damaged him potentially beyond yeah. repair. That's what worries me about Bryce Young. And I think ultimately, I think this new uh, coaching staff will probably sink with him as well. So I don't think they're going to be here very long because I think anybody with options is not going to go there. That that I So I completely agree that I think the Panthers is the least appealing um, vacancy. Part of it as well is obviously not having, you've traded away your first round pick for this year to go and get a quarterback who last year yes was kind of seen as the consensus qb1 in the class uh, even though that doesn't look the case right now um there's an argument that he's qb4 um i mean i you, i think you could even argue that Aiden O'Connell played better than him at sometimes last year but um i don't want to get into that hot of a take i think the problem is bryce young so far has shown himself to be kind of a very specific style of quarterback and he's kind of a bit marmitey uh, in terms of him as a prospect being shorter um that i think it's not just that you have you don't have flexibility in terms of you're gonna have to go in and try and make bryce young work but you might find that there's lots of people that go actually well i was you know i was the offensive coordinator on this team say say bobby slowick um i was the offensive coordinator on the texans last year when we were doing our pre-draft evaluations and i was trying to talk the building away from Bryce Young because I didn't really want to work with him. Like then also, like you say, comes down to the fact that I think they're going to get the last candidate. I think it could be um, quite similar to the Texans a couple of years ago where they ended up with David Cully and you have a candidate out of nowhere that no one thinks about. And I think it, it it's just a really kind of unappealing spot. Um, they have of the teams uh, with vacancies, they have the fourth most cap space. So right in the middle, four or seven with 34.3 million. They're also hiring a new GM, um, but they have an owner that seems like they're going to kind of step into everything, um, which isn't isn't particularly encouraging. Um, so I think the Panthers, to me, definitely feels like the worst spot. Um, and I think it's interesting to see what happens to them going into next season. Um, but uh, let's get into uh, the uh, Super Wildcard Weekend um, and all of the games that took place. Uh, so I want to talk through kind of our thoughts on each game, but then go through team by team. And we've got a couple of questions that we want to think about in terms of the biggest narratives for these teams going into next year. Um, we'll obviously start off with the first game of the weekend, which was Texans-Browns. Um, and obviously we've just touched on the Texans um, in terms of ending ending up with CJ Stroud, um, which felt like a consolation prize, and now he's been absolutely unbelievable. So this was a really close game until it then wasn't. Uh, it was 45-14 uh, to the Texans over the Browns. Um, it, it genuinely, going back and forth in the first couple, of, the first quarter, the first few drives, you thought, wow, this is going to be a game for the ages. And then Flacco just started throwing interceptions, Two of them returned for touchdowns. Um, CJ Shroud had a hell of a day, uh, 274 yards and three passing touchdowns. Devin Singletary played really well, 66 yards and a touchdown. Nico Collins, 96 yards and a touchdown. Basically all of the um, the young Texans, all, all of their 
slightly under the radar weapons um showed out um what did you think about about the game itself did you did you enjoy watching kind of the the joe flacco story um so i very much enjoyed it because obviously as a bengals fan i did not want the uh browns to win so i enjoyed the meltdown to be honest i personally think that i actually think that the the texans had command of the game pretty much you know from the start you could tell they were going out aggressive i think cj stroud played fantastic um and you know as soon as that first inception happened i I kind of thought this is the death toll for the browns you know they they did try um you know and joku got quite a few receptions i mean amari cooper was very quiet elijah moore did absolutely nothing like they tried obviously kareem hunt you know had a reasonable day but on the whole I know, I know, gutted because I was like, oh, Jerome Ford. But anyway, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of felt like as soon as the Texans had that first interception, they had confidence and that was it. You know, they, they were in control. The Browns defense wasn't the Browns defense we were expecting. Miles Garrett didn't get enough, you know, involvement. Obviously, they game planned well enough to keep him kind of out out of the game and they were injured on the back end which i think didn't help you know um but ultimately i just loved this is like the lions from i know the lions didn't get in last year but you know that like feel good team like they've gone from nothing to i just think it it, i i love the narrative i think cj stroud is fantastic and you know, everyone was like, oh, CJ Stroud, his whatever test it was, I forget what they call it. The, the, the wonder like That was it. You know, he obviously doesn't know anything, blah, 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 and he just comes in absolutely bawling. And I just think, I just love D'Amico Rhines as well, and I think he's turned this whole Texans team yeah. around. You know, the Texans were a laughing stock for three years, weren't they? You know, going from absolutely. head coach to head coach, the Deshaun Watson, Palava you know everything was just a disaster everyone thought the texans were just terrible he comes in he changes the culture and look where they are now i think they you know hitting on those two picks cj stroud and will anderson has yeah. changed everything the 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 thing which i don't think we talk about enough in terms of narrative is that the Texans were the team that Deshaun Watson was on. And I know he wasn't in this game, but like the Texans versus the Browns, that was the narrative that this was supposed to be Deshaun Watson's team. Um, and he's been absolutely dreadful. But it also means that when they traded up for Will Anderson, they traded up using an additional first. They sent away the Browns first instead of their own. And people looked at that and went, right, so you're giving up another top five pick for 2024. And by beating the Browns, they've made that the right decision. They, you know, they backed themselves and it came off. Um, So I want to start off by talking about the Texans uh, and the narratives for them going into next season. And obviously, CJ Stroud is the biggest one. Uh, So CJ Stroud was the QB 11 on the season. Uh, In terms of points per game, he finished as the QB 10, uh, although that does include uh, quarterbacks with limited sample sizes like Joe Flacco and Kirk Cousins. So you can call it QB8 uh, for people who started more than 12 games. Um, we, you know, he's going to win 
rookie of the year my own feelings on that aside um and you know is is a very deserving winner you know a rookie season over 4000 yards over 20 passing touchdowns and five interceptions he's thrown maybe the least interceptions of a quarterback who started over 12 games um which is genuinely insane for a rookie that, that's that's genuinely mad that's you know nearly as many as Dak Prescott threw last night alone um for next season it's partly looking at dynasty as well for this off season um personally i actually was trying to sell cj stroud today because i think maybe the hype's gone a little bit out of control um do you think we should be looking at cj stroud in terms of that upper echelon of quarterbacks going into 2024 you're looking at kind of you know you'll start off drafts with allen hurts lamar mahomes probably burrow as well do you think stroud should be going around that range or do you think uh he should be a little bit further down next year i wouldn't be upset to take him at the bottom end of that range personally at all i i do genuinely think that he is an extremely talented quarterback and you know i think around the herbert range i I would happily do i wouldn't be i wouldn't be worried about doing that at all like i think this guy's talented he's going to be a great quarterback in the nfl we've got to remember like what he's done over the second half of the season obviously he was injured for two games so his overall end of season you know numbers are going to be lower because he didn't play for two games and also he's been playing without well pretty much nearly the whole season he was playing without one of nico collins or tank dell i think there were a couple of games where they were both together but like in this this playoff run you know he's basically had nico collins and no one else like noah brown's not doing anything because he's injured like he yeah. he is elevating everyone on this team and i think that is an elite quarterback yes he's not a running qb like alan hurts so you're probably you're not going to have him in that like top three you know mahomes is always going to be in there even though he's had a terrible season for fantasy he's still going to like hang in that top three uh but you know how is stroud any different to burrow would be my question you know all herbert you know he he scrambles when he has to but he, he doesn't run like the lamars of the world so again i would probably have alan Hertz, Holmes, Lamar in that kind of tier. Lamar probably I, at the bottom because obviously he played fantastic, but his fantasy numbers weren't great, great this year. Then in that next tier, I personally would probably have Burrow, Herbert, Stroud, I think. Um, yeah. And then you're looking at, you know, your how confident are you with your um, Colts quarterback? Well, I can't think of his name. Anthony Richardson. That's it. How confident with the Anthony Richardson? Because for me, he's the wild card yeah. because he was injured. How good is it going to be coming back? You know, he's a Fields-esque type. He can be a QB1. And I think he does have a flaw, yeah. but where's his flaw? You know, and I think yeah, I would personally go Stroud over, um, you know, him, even though I think potentially his ceiling might be higher. I think I think the next tier is then looking. So I think you've got three quite similar quarterbacks in 
Richardson, Kyler, and Fields, depending on where Fields is. I, I suppose Dak as well needs to be considered in that conversation. But I think I think the hype on CJ Stroud can be both justified and also slightly over the top. Uh, you know, he he exploded towards the back half of the season. He finishes the QB one against Tampa, the QB four at a stretch where he finished in the in the top ten four games in a row. Um, but I, I think he's one of those in the same range as Burrow that I'm like, yes, you have the ability to finish as a the QB one any week, but you're more likely to finish consistently as like the QB seven um, because there's just less rushing baseline so kind of you have to explode for a lot of passing touchdowns um, it's why in dynasty i'm potentially looking to sell him because if i can tear off him to justin herbert and a, and a late first i think that's worth it if i can you know do cj shroud straight up for lamar jackson i'll take lamar jackson over him um but i think it's interesting um I think that the argument around CJ Stroud, I think I think he's going to be a really heavily betted MVP candidate for next year. Um, people love second-year quarterbacks for MVP, um, and I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he won't be the favourite going into it because Patrick Mahomes should be the favourite every year he's in the league. But I think CJ Stroud is going to be someone that people put a lot of money on winning MVP next year. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Look, if I can get Herbert or Burrow plus something for Stroud, then I would do that because I, I think they're in the same tier. Agreed. Yeah. Also, if you, if I could do, you know, straight up for Lamar, I would do that. But I, you know, ultimately, I think your Kyler, you know, kind of tier, you know, ultimately, we know that Kyler probably, again, Kyler, you know, the fields, etc. they probably have the higher ceiling. Um, but there's question marks around them. I personally think, like maybe if Kyler has a better offense, he's he will jump higher than Stroud because he's got that rushing floor. But ultimately, Fields, I suspect, is going to be a different in a different offense next year. What is he or isn't he going to do? Obviously, you know injuries, etc. So, yeah, I agree, but I, I still think he's certainly in that you know quarterback one like mid quarterback one tier i think agreed yeah. is not going to be the you know the quarterback one every every week but i do think that i would be very happy to have him on my team at versus some of the others yeah no for sure what's your uh big narrative for the texans for next year so the thing that um I would like to ask you, Lewis, which I think um, is going to be a really interesting conversation over the, the whole of the offseason. I think there's going to be lots of different opinions. My question is, where will you be drafting Nico Collins and Tank Dell in 2024 drafts? My first question is, who, would, who are you going to be drafting higher? And my second question is, where, you know, do you think, I suppose, let's let's just look in the wide receiver landscape where would you yeah. value them in terms of ranking them for next season? So I ran a poll on Twitter the other day asking, who do you think is the Texans wide receiver one? And the answer was Nico Collins quite overwhelmingly. It was like 75% towards Nico Collins. I'm very in on Tank Dell. Um, I have them back to back in my dynasty rankings. So I think it's wide receiver eight and nine, or it might be nine and 10. They're both very high. Um, but I have Tank Dell just a tick above, um, just because when they played together, 
Tank Dell was outperforming Nico Collins. Not by a huge amount, but he was outperforming him. It's also Tank Dell's first year in the league. So to be performing that way um, as a rookie, I'm super in on. Um, I'm also a sucker for kind of the the smaller, shifty wide receiver. Uh, two to Atwell can still happen. Um, but to me, I think, like, to slightly answer the question in a slightly different question, the one I'll end up drafting is going to be the one that goes later. So if I can get... I think Nico Collins will go first. So if I think if I can take Tank Dell around afterwards, if that's the way that ADP shakes out, or like half a round later, then I'll do that. I think the answer is probably going to be around kind of the mid-third round. Um, I think if they start getting up, you know, in the way that Calvin Ridley rose to like the back end of the second, mid-second... I don't know how I'd feel about taking them then because I just think there's going to be a, a, a decent wide receiver landscape that you can you can look at other players around there. And I don't know whether I want to be taking them as like an elite wide receiver one just yet. Um, but if I can get them towards the, the start of the third round, if I can go, you know, say I'm picking at the 101 and I could start off with CMC and then on the way back, I could get Christ, like a... Travis Etienne and Nico Collins or, you know, a Devontae Adams and 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 Tank Dow, I think I'd be quite happy taking them um, around that sort of range. I would like to do it later, but isn't it always the case that we'd like to do it later? Um, I'd always, I, I'd love to pick Justin Jefferson in the ninth round, but I'm not going to be able to. <laughs> I, um, I just wonder, you know, Lewis, when, when they were both on the field, Sometimes we would have this kind of one of them would have a great day, one of them would be a bit quiet. And I do just wonder, like in redraft, if they end up being a little bit of a headache next season yeah. in that, you know, one week the game plan will, you know, mean that one of them will feast, the next week the other one will. And I think in some ways they will kind of eat into each other in the fact that your confidence in them on a week-to-week basis I think is going to be a bit up and down and I'm not sure we're going to know who is going to be the guy that doesn't mean that they're not going to be useful on your team but I think they're going to be a little bit up and down and I do think these two I would I want them on my redraft teams but I do think I'll feel less of a headache if they're on my best ball teams than if they're on my redraft teams um you know because Although I think they will put up points, even if they're like the wide receiver two for that week, I could see a, a kind of situation where one of them totally, you know, goes off and the other one's a little bit quieter and, and vice versa as we go along in the season. Yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be a really interesting narrative. Um, another one which I think is interesting, and, and I'm going to ask the question for fantasy. So this is now looking at the Brown side. Is we got to talk about Deshaun Watson, um, and I don't want to. Um, Deshaun Watson had a pretty dreadful season, uh, injured for the majority of it, bad when he was playing. Like, not just kind of, you know, an injured season, but even when he was playing, he, he didn't look the same quarterback. But he's not played football in, in kind of two years. Um, giving him that guarantee, that fully guaranteed deal looks genuinely insane. His cap hit for the next three seasons is 63.9 million. So it's about a quarter of your cap on a quarterback that you're not sure if you would really want to play. Um, I was just looking into, because I was trying to figure out, and it's something I might look out into the ether uh, to talk about going forwards. 
if they were gonna if if they wanted to trade him away with that contract, because that's the only way they can really get out of it is if they trade him. How much would you have to add on top to get a, away from the Deshaun Watson contract? Um, but the other thing I was looking into, so, so the biggest dead cap hit of all time uh, is the Matt Ryan uh, when they cut Matt Ryan. Uh, or did they? Tr- no, they traded him to the Colts, didn't they? Uh, which was a cap hit of forty million. If the Texans cut Deshaun Watson right now, their dead money hit—the amount of dead money they'd have from it—would be two hundred million dollars, <laughs> which is just insane. Um, what do you think about Deshaun Watson, kind of for, for next season? Is he someone that you you think could end up being a bit of a value? Do you see any any life in him? going forwards or, or or is he you know do you think he's kind of dead in the water i personally think he's cooked you know he was pretty terrible this season you know you can say oh that last game he played he was looking much better but then he got injured and then he's been missing for the whole rest of this season so i mean he's barely played at all you know since he basically refused to play for the texas what was that now three years ago yeah you know and i I just think we're never going to see people. I think are still holding on to the Deshaun Watson that they saw at the Texans, and they think at some point he's going to appear and actually start to do something. And I just don't think that's the case. I personally am avoiding him at all costs. I think the challenge in Dynasty is that if you've got him on your team, nobody wants him. No. Nope. So you're stuck. You're stuck with him on your Dynasty teams. I'm. I'm out at all costs in redraft, even if he falls. You know, lower than low. I just don't think I'm going to be able to, to push I, the button. I genuinely think I'd rather take kind of, I mean, and you know I'm a Stafford believer anyway because I'm a massive homer, but like I'd rather take Stafford over him. I'd probably take Derek Carr over him for next season. Like Trevor Lawrence, 100%, whoever's starting for the Seahawks, but a bunch of the rookies, wherever Kirk Cousins is. Like I think Deshaun Watson is then going to end up falling as like my QB 25 which is crazy, but like I, I just can't, I just can't draft him anywhere. But I think that's going to be what everyone's going to do. I, I, I think there's a world in which Deshaun Watson goes towards the back end of drafts in terms of like when you're taking your second quarterback as a potential upside uh, pick. Um, someone who is definitely an upside pick for next year um, is uh, the Browns narrative that that uh, that that you want to put to me. Yeah, so my question for you, Lewis, is do you value David Njoku as a a tight end one in 2024? So is he in that kind of second tier of tight ends? I personally don't think he's in that kind of top elite echelon. Uh, But is he in kind of tier two? And this is kind of a bit of a side question, to be honest, and it's a little bit off topic. But who are you going to have in your elite tight end um rankings next season you know is this now the time that Travis Kelsey finally falls out or do you still have some hope I think we were kind of talking about this next so maybe we can save it but who are your elites you know let's not typically discuss totally Travis Kelsey and we can talk about that in a minute but who will you have in the elites I think Elites is going to be quite tough next year because I think I, I think Kelsey will probably still be my tight end one for next season, and then I think it's really tough when you've got you know your your big names who have been around for a while, Mark Andrews, T.J. Hawkinson, depending on the quarterback situation, George Kittle. I'll actually be quite high on George Kittle for next season, I think, and then the real two 
young upstarts in Trey McBride and, and Sam Laporta. I think that to me is the elite group and they're the ones that I am quite happy drafting relatively early. Um, David Njoku is quite a difficult one for me. So if you look at his fantasy finishes with the Sean Watson, a quarterback, because he exploded. He was a real league winner, you know, that kind of four game run at the end of the season, Titan two, Titan two, Titan four, Titan three. But that was with Joe Flacco. With Deshaun Watson, so to start the season, Titan 28, 28, 23, Titan 12, then coming out of the bye, um, played without Deshaun Watson, Titan 20. Um, then, you know, Deshaun Watson's final two games, week nine and week 10, Titan 13, Titan 7. So that's kind of one game that you're happy with under Deshaun Watson this year. So to me, I really like David Njoku. He, he won me a couple of titles, which is great. But I don't know that I'll be super in on him next year because not to say we haven't seen him do it with Deshaun Watson. We've seen him not do it with Deshaun Watson. We've seen it not work with Deshaun. So to me, I think he potentially could be someone to avoid going into drafts next year. Yeah, I think the issue that we're going to have is that people are going to look at the end of this season and be like, oh, look, he you know, broke out at the end of the season. I do think he is really talented. But like you say, with Deshaun Watson, you know, the connection just wasn't there, um, you know, and he didn't do anything. But I think people are not going to kind of think of that. They're just going to see, oh, look at his finishes at the back half of the season. Look what he did in, you know, that one playoff game or whatever. And they're going to put him in that kind of... I suspect he's going to be in that, like McBride, like second bit down, like McBride type area, and I just think that's going to be too expensive. Yeah. So that's why I'm going to avoid him. Like if he ended up being a late round tight end, I would probably give it a go because you know we know he's talented. Maybe Watson might do something, although I don't think so. You know, then maybe I'd take a punt on him, but I think he's going to be too expensive and not give you enough value. Um, I would rather take a punt on, you know, someone else later on. I think the Titan landscape is really interesting to discuss for next yeah. season. And maybe when we talk about the next question, we can dig into it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's my thoughts on well, Njoku. I, I, I'm not, I'm probably going to be <laughs> out. So I think he's going to be expensive. I'm, I'm cautious that we're uh, 38 minutes in and we've gone through one game. Um, so we'll so we'll move on. Um, the next game uh, was the Chiefs taking down the Miami Dolphins. I found this very funny. Um, the Dolphins have been a flat track bully all season. They absolutely stomp over bad teams. They lose to good ones. We weren't even sure if the Chiefs were a good team. Obviously, they beat them in Germany a few weeks ago, but the Dolphins could do nothing. The, the Chiefs shut down the running game, and then aside from Tyreek Hill, nothing happened through the air. Um, two are through quite a bad interception. Um, Mahomes had a decent fantasy day, uh, a, de a decent day all around, uh, but in the, the freezing cold, and Andy Reid's moustache was the big talking point of this game, um, alongside uh, Rasheed Rice's eight receptions for 130 yards and a touchdown. Um, I actually was a, Devin, a, a Devon Achan touchdown away from about 200 quid. Um, as I as I placed it, I was like, that should have been Tyree Kill. I got everything else spot on. I think it was, um, I think I had a Pacheco touchdown, The took the over on Rasheed Rice, took the under on Raheem Mostert. But anyway, um, oh no, it wasn't. No, I had I had a big, I had a big touchdown 
um, Acheron from the first two games. I had Kareem Hunt, Dalton Schultz, uh, A-Chan, and Pacheco, and only missed on A-Chan. But that's not what the show's about. Um, I want to skip to the Dolphins to start with. I know we'll, we'll come back to the tight end conversation, but Tua Tagovailoa is really interesting to me this offseason. Um, he is the only one of that draft class, um, the you know that that fantastic 2020 draft with, uh, I mean, now looking unbelievable with Jordan Love breaking out as well, but Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Jordan Love, and Tua. The others have all been paid, and three of them have been paid gigantic contracts. Tua hasn't. He is playing on his fifth-year option next season. Um, the Dolphins... It, I don't know what they do with him because to me I don't know that he's good. I think he's I think he's fine. I think he's you know a, a relatively average quarterback who is surrounded by incredible weapons and maybe the best play caller in the NFL or one of the best play callers in the NFL. Certainly the most exciting young head coach um because Sean McVay isn't exciting anymore because we're used to him. I don't know that Tua that on his own is a fantastic quarterback, and I think they could achieve the same thing as they would get from a $40 million, $45 million extension for him by going out and getting Russell Wilson or, you know, Kirk Cousins. I, I, I think they could they could do the same thing for significantly cheaper. Um, what are your thoughts on, on, on what happens with, with Tua this offseason? I personally think they're going to do one of two things. So one is that they extend him to some sort of contract. I don't think they're going to do like the Burrow, Herbert type thing. I think they'll try and, you know, do that a bit lower. But obviously, who knows what he's going to be wanting. Or actually next season, he can play on his fifth year option. So one option they could do is they just play it out. They say, I'm not going to extend you this season. You can play your fifth year contract out and then we'll decide in one season what we're going to do. I suspect that they're going to be the one of the two things that they're going to do. I agree that I don't think he he played he has played extremely well within this system. You know, I think that Mike McDaniel's has been very good in putting playmakers around him, but you can tell that he he can't lift the offense. The offense has to lift him, if you know what I mean. It has to be perfect. For him to kind of succeed and everything everything dropped off, there are injuries, blah, blah, blah. They didn't do, they don't do well in cold weather. That's where it all dropped off. But I do think that they're probably thinking better the devil, you know, you know, ultimately. Yeah. Are you gonna find anyone better? Well, in the draft, no. In free agency, maybe the same, but would you say like remarkably better? Probably not. And I understand he's cheaper, but is it worth taking that risk and getting rid of him to put in someone like Kirk Cousins, who probably will do very well, but you don't know how he's going to settle into that type of offense. Yeah. You know, you know that when things are going well, Tua works. So why would you change it? I I know that he's not going to get them over the hill, but... It all depends on what he asks for. If he comes in this offseason saying, I want the borrow contract, you know, I'm deserving of the borrow contract, play out your fifth year option, maybe tag you for a rate for a year, 
let you walk and and go and find something else. If he's happy with a Daniel Jones type deal, that forty million per year, maybe I can consider doing it. Um, but I just I think Tua is the most interesting extension story of this off season, and there's a few coming up. Um, the other question uh, that you've got is on one of the weapons. Um, so I'll I'll let you take the reins. Yeah, well, my my question is obviously Jalen Waddle. He was being drafted in the second round of, of fantasy drafts this season. I don't think he performed to what what we expected from that. Tyreek Hill was really kind of the main centerpiece of that offense. They use the running game a lot more. So most of the time, Waddle was kind of out on the sidelines. I think he gave us a couple of okay games, but really not what we expected for a second round pick. So what are your thoughts on him this season? Are you comfortable in drafting him I know he was injured quite a bit this season it's probably had some sort of an effect and if you're happy with drafting him like where where do you feel comfortable to take him in drafts this season I'd be fine with Jalen Waddle around the sort of fourth to fifth round which I think is probably around where he'll end up going um he was very disappointing this season um so he finished as the wide receiver 31 he didn't actually break a thousand yards um which is obviously all right you he's just never going to be the alpha in the offense because they have maybe the best wide receiver in football um and that they're, they're and with the rushing game as well there's just not room for him to to perform so i think maybe around the fourth or fifth round he's he's in that that group of you know Devonta Smith, T. Higgins, I mean, maybe even Cup for next season, maybe whichever Dellen, of Dell and Nico you think is the two of like wide receiver twos who would be great wide receiver ones elsewhere, but because of where they are, you just can't draft them as a wide receiver one. Um, so Jalen Waddle just kind of worries me. Um, I'm going to move us on to the to the to the Chiefs side because I'm cautious of the time. Um, so the big one for me, I'm, I'm going to combine the narratives for us. And in this game and across the course of this season, you've seen Rasheed Rice ascend and you've seen Travis Kelsey descend. Um, what are your thoughts on, so Travis Kelsey going into next season, um, do you think he's washed? Do you think it's kind of, you know, the, the decline from here? Uh, and then Rasheed Rice in particular, you know, He's the wide receiver one on the team. He's he's what we've wanted out of him um, and is really ascending up the ranks. Where do you think you'll draft him in 2024? Do you do you think you'd be comfortable with him as your, your wide receiver one on a fantasy team? Kelsey, I think that his time as like the tight end one with which I would be comfortable to draft him as my first kind of skill player, so wide receiver or tight end, I think those days are are gone, personally. Yeah. Like, he's getting older. He got injured this season, and I think that has been a lot of the reasons that he's been struggling. Um, but he's, you know, he's only going to get older. He's only going to get more not injury-prone. But, you know, he's been playing a long time. He's been banged up a lot. I do think injuries are going to start to pile up a little bit more. I think, ultimately, this is the slide. That doesn't mean that I don't think he's going to be a tight end one and that I wouldn't draft him along with the elites. But for me personally, I think the elites should not be going in round one or two this season. I really yep. just don't think that anymore. Um, and so I suspect someone's going to pick Travis Kelsey before I'm comfortable in taking him in drafts because they're going to think that he was injured and, you know, it's Travis Kelsey. I'm not comfortable doing that anymore. See, 
Rashi Rice is the wide receiver one, but I can't help thinking that they're going to want to add someone in there, you know, next season. Yeah. I, I, I think people are going to draft Rashi Rice in like rounds three or four kind of I thing. Right. You know, around Nico Collins, Tank Dell area. I think that they're going to be very um, disappointed because I don't yeah. think he's going to perform like that. I think they're going to add someone else. I think they like spreading the ball out. I don't think Rashi Rice is going to be the wide receiver. He's not going to be the Tyreek Hill on this offense. Yeah, he's not going to be a complete, you know, an absolute target hog in future. Yeah, and he's, he's just not a complete wide receiver, is he? He's great at what he can do, and obviously they're making sure he's getting in the positions and doing what he's best at. But he can't be the only bit of the offense. They're going to have to add someone else in. And I just think ultimately we're going to expect him to be the wide receiver one. And I just think we're going to be disappointed. And he might be on the team, but I just don't think that he's going to perform as highly as I think he'll get drafted. Yeah, I I think I agree on that front. Um, Let's go on to the next game. Um, This was very funny. Uh, And it ended up much closer than it actually was. So the pack took down the Cowboys, finished 48-32. But obviously the Cowboys put together... Um, some some late success in garbage time. It's what made it a decent day for Dak Prescott, even though it absolutely wasn't. Um, we had two pick sixes um, for the Packers. It was really entertaining. The Cowboys, um, as far as I haven't actually checked Twitter while we've been recording, so it doesn't seem like Mike McCarthy's been sacked yet, but I am going to check and see whether or not he has been. Um, no, he hasn't. Nope hasn't been announced yet uh, and actually some players are announcing their support for him uh, but that's the big narrative for the Cowboys um, should they continue with him for next season um, for me no absolutely not I wouldn't go and get Bill Belichick I don't think that's the answer I think you need to go a young offensive mind um, and start to kind of really change the offense for next season um, I'd keep Van Quinn even though the defense underperformed uh, but Mike McCarthy is not the answer he was never the answer uh, and I think he has to go do you think they should keep him or do you think they should uh, they should let him walk? No, I think it's time, isn't it? You know, their expectations are higher than this and they've never met them. You know, they had some good games this season, but they've had some also absolute clangers. And this game was a massive clanger and they got embarrassed on national TV. So I'm confident that Jerry Jones is going to get rid of him. I yeah. think Jerry Jones is going to want Bill Belichick. I agree. Which probably is going to be a mistake but I'm kind of excited to see it because I think this defense is going to be lots of fun under Bill Belichick Um, it's exactly the sort of thing that he would go and do Jerry wants stars and that includes in the head coach room uh, not just on the field Um, let's move on to the Packers and thinking of stars I mean Jordan Love what an incredible day I'm absolutely furious um, with the Packers that we all joked about you know Jordan Love's going to be a Hall of Famer because it went Brett Favre Aaron Rodgers Jordan Love Jesus Christ he might be he actually might be in the end Um, so Jordan Love next year is going to be really interesting but the Packers receiver core to me is really interesting initially Christian Watson was the piece that people liked Jaden Reed we all kind of fell in love with Jaden Reed then did nothing yesterday Uh, it was all Romeo Dobbs he had an absolute explosion for over 100 yards and a touchdown Uh, Dontavian Wicks caught a touchdown if you had to put your stamp on a Packers receiver right now for next season, who would you go for? Do you know what? I, I 
the thing that I find difficult is that we're desperate for there to be a wide receiver one and for that wide receiver to be like the guy that dominates all the targets and therefore the guy that we want for fantasy. I think this is going to be a Chiefs type offense where there isn't a wide receiver one. One week it's going yep. to be Christian Watson, one week it's going to be Jaden Reed, one week it's going to be Romeo Dobbs, one week it's going to be Devontae Wicks or whatever his name is. You know, I don't think I personally don't think there's going to be a wide receiver one. I think potentially the most consistent guy next season probably going to be Jaden Reed. But I don't think that means that he's the guy that you should be drafting like three rounds before everyone else. I think ultimately these guys should be all drafted in a very similar place. Again, I think these are perfect guys for best ball, but I think these are going to be really difficult in redraft because I think one week you're going to have a great week and one week they're going to give you nothing. Yeah, and and Jaden Reed had the best fantasy season. He was the wide receiver 18 on the year. Uh, next up was, was Dubs at wide receiver 39. The really interesting thing to me is... Dubs was the only wide receiver not coming off the field last night, and that's the case when you look at snap count for the year. So he was on the field for, on average, 25% more snaps than any other wide receiver. So I think if I'm having to, to take a discount on one, because I think Reed will go ahead, I think Dubs could be of interest, but that feels a bit reactive off of last night. Um, I want to make sure that I have time for a rant. So I'm going to move us on to the last game, knowing that we only yeah. have a few minutes left. Uh, so Rams-Lions, um, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. It finished 24-23 uh, to the Lions. Um, Matt Stafford played an incredible game. He was absolutely fantastic. Uh, on that first, the first few drives, Jared Goff looked like a Hall of Fame quarterback. He was unbelievable, um, just absolutely picking the Rams apart. I think it was it was 10 passes until he, we saw an incompletion from him. And the running game looked fantastic as well uh, with Jameer Gibbs. Uh, the story of the night was, was Puka Nakua, nine receptions for 181 yards and a touchdown. Um, and... He absolutely dominated. He was incredible. He also was held, uh, and it was a pass interference on a missed call from him. I was really disappointed with the refs last night. I don't like ranting about the refs after a game, um, but there were a couple of calls, including Matt Stafford getting hit in the head and stamped on uh, that wasn't flagged. Um, to me, that was what kind of swung the game, but uh, with a, a, a small amount of rest off the back of it, um, I, I can say that I'm happy for the Lions seeing them win their first playoff game in, in 60 years. Uh, the thing for me, I, I think, you know, that I wrote about Cooper Cup and Pukunakua uh, in an article on the website um, and looking at their uh, their 17 game pace were from the games where they played together. So from weeks five to 17. Uh, and it was it was all Puka, really. The 17 game pace would have seen Puka finish as the wide receiver 10 and Cooper Cup as the wide receiver 16. So not hugely different, but it was quite clear that um, that Puka was way ahead of him, over 300 yards more uh, averaging for the season. Um, for next season, um, do you see any life in Cup? Um, or do you think Puka is really the player that that you're going to target. I think there's a world in which Puka goes towards the back around one, by the way. Um, do you see any life in Cooper Cup for next season? I I think there is. I just think that we can't expect Cooper Cup to be the Cooper Cup that are of old. You know, ultimately, 
he was basically the the whole of that offense for one and a half years uh, because yeah. Robert Woods wasn't really the player he wanted him to be. Then he got injured, and then obviously they didn't really have anyone um, because the Robinson trade that just all went wrong. Uh, yeah. Free or whatever they did. I think now he's just going to be in more of a committee, you know, and I just think he will still have some value, but yeah. we have to be realistic about what that is. You know, he's not a, a round one wide receiver anymore. You know, really, he's yeah. a mid mid round wide receiver who is going to be an injury risk. You know, he has had some severe injuries. They can certainly, you know, flare up again. Hopefully, a full off season will that he's healthy next season and he'll do a lot more. I mean, he barely did anything last night. Um, yeah. But you know, Puka, I personally think is going to be more of the Cooper Cup role in terms of dominating more of the targets, but I still think Cup is going to be involved. Yeah, I actually bought a Puka Nagura jersey this morning. Um, I'm I'm ready. I'm all in. Um, I Yeah, I think Cup has some value. I think he's a Dynasty buy right now because I think you can get him for a second. If you want to find out more, head to dynastypancake.co.uk uh, and have a read about why I think Cooper Cup could be of interest. Um, let's close out with the Lions. Um Jared Goff was really good in the first half and then started doing Jared Goff things later on. I think they were quite lucky to win in the end because there was a fumble, there was a really odd throw under pressure. He started doing some quite strange things. Do you think Jared Goff is the future in Detroit? In the short term, yes, because I think they have no other option, personally. You know, yep. this is the two a conversational over again, isn't it? You know, who are you going to get? Um, yeah. You know, and I think ultimately they've done a great job in building around Jared Goff in that they can hide him for a lot of the time. You know, Jared Goff, he does make some great plays and he is a very good player. But like you say, he does do silly things from time to time. And I think he can be very up and down. Some games he's great, some games he's not great. I think they're lucky that they're at home next week. I think that's really going to help them. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, yes, in the short term, I think he is because I don't think they've got any other options. And, uh, you know, it's like the discussion we have had who who's going to be better you know realistically I guess they yeah. could go out and try and get a fields but I just don't think they're in that kind of zone right now um I think I mean, they feel that they can put enough around Goff to kind of help him my worry would be Ben Johnson leaving I think it could yeah. fall apart as soon as he I, goes I think that's going to be the story of the offseason that I think they stick with Goff and then I think next season isn't as great and I think that's the end for him in Detroit um, I'm not sure about his contract, um, but I don't think he is the future because I, I know Jared Goff. I've watched Jared Goff for many years and he's fine when everything's going well. But as we saw last night, the moment there's pressure, the moment the, the game state isn't great, he's not a great quarterback. He's just a good one. Uh, Jared Goff, Tua Tagovailoa, kind of the same player. Um, but that's a nice hot take to end on. Um, that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Wildcard Rewind. Uh, head on over to our YouTube channel, search for us at Fantasy Wildcard, uh, and make sure you give us a, a subscribe. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will see you next week where we are reviewing the divisional round. Take care.